All right, folks, welcome into another show of The Extra here as we start out every Friday. Our hometown hero brought to you by Mary Golds, and we have the pleasure of speaking with Kristen this morning, a lieutenant colonel, a graduate from the Air Force Academy. Kristen, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So you have to be excited for the game tomorrow, Army Air Force. <laughs> Definitely. It's a big one. Yeah, are you going? I'm not. I have lots of uh, friends and classmates who are, though. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, there you go. That's great. So um, tell us a little bit about how you, um, the process getting into the Air Force Academy and um, what brought you up to where you are now as a lieutenant colonel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, the the academy is a, a great school, difficult to get into. They're really looking for well-rounded people. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have an uncle that went there and he kind of walked me through um, what they were looking for. And I made sure to get good grades, but also do lots of sports and activities in high school to make myself competitive and um, really joined the Air Force in order to get through school. Um, and, and then as I started serving, realized I um, was, was really jo- enjoying my time, and you start to kind of see how you fit into the whole picture and develop a, a, a purpose as you um, get into it. Yeah, that's great. And so you're a commander of a squadron, correct? I am. And are you out at Peterson or Shriver? I'm at Peterson. And Tad, can you even tell us what, what – uh type of stuff you're working on what you're involved with or is it top secret no so our squadron actually um supports the gps satellites so used by the whole world so really cool mission uh, really relatable to everybody that we interact with um and, and really we we just make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to and staying up there you go that's great that's great so tell us you know, if there's one thing you take away from your time either at the academy or being in the Air Force right now, like a golden nugget that you've learned from your time in the service, what would that be? I think, I think really the, um, the nugget is uh, like hard work and realizing how important it is to serve others. Um, I, I think if, you know, you, when you get trodden down with the day-to-day and being overwhelmed, it's just keep trudging along because ultimately it's really, really important to people counting on us. Yeah, and I tell you what, we want to thank you so much for your service. And uh, the folks over at Marigold's, Gasson, the owner, he's going to reach out and uh, set up a time for you and a guest to go up there and enjoy great dinner, food, drinks, as just a thank you um, for your service and sacrifice to our country. Thanks, Justin. I really appreciate your um, your time this morning. It's an honor. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Kristen. And hey, go Falcons, right? Have a good weekend. Go, go Falcons. That's <laughs> right. Thanks. All right, folks, make sure you stick around. We're going to a commercial break. Then we're talking with Brett Helton, local hometown hero, played for Pittsburgh. Uh, that is the Pirates. That's right. They make him wear an eye patch on the mound. And then uh, he also uh, now is with um, the Savannah Bananas. So a lot of fun conversation on the way. Stick around. We'll be right back after these brief messages. All right, folks, we're back into it. That was a stellar little uh, job by Marigolds there, getting the hometown hero in. And now we have uh, Brett Helton joining us. Good morning, everybody. Brett, how are we? You good? I am fantastic. It's great to be back home. I miss this place every time I'm gone. It's good to be back, good to be around friends, everything like that. Yeah, and uh, 
when you left, you had like, uh, you know, a foot of hair or two feet of hair <laughs> coming off your head. And yeah. so tell us about, um, number one, why you even kept it that long. And then number two, what it got cut and the donation process behind all that. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a ton of hair. It went all the way down my back. I had thirty inches. I I I was uh, in pro ball. It was clean shaven, short hair for a very long time. So when I finally left the Pirates, that that rule wasn't in a, in effect anymore. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to grow my hair out. So then a few years later, fast forward, I never cut it. And then um, I had the idea of trying to donate it. So I wanted to do something really cool. So then uh, when I was with the bananas, I you know I was finally tired of it, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to let this go to waste. I want to I want to do something really cool. So. Um, we concocted an idea to to raise some money to get it cut, and the fans loved it. So I wanted to to freak them out a little bit, and everyone decided to donate a ton of money. We en- ended up raising about twenty three, twenty four thousand oh, dollars. Unbelievable! Where did, and where did it go to the twenty three, twenty four? Uh, so all the money went to my team's five hundred one c three bananas foster. So it's for all the foster kids. We we sponsor a, a different family in all the cities we go and play, and we take care of a bunch of families in in uh, in Savannah itself. So all the money went to them. Um, the hair went to wigs for kids. So. The people, all I did was show up and get my hair cut. You know, the people behind the scenes, you know, our, our girl Jolie over at uh, Bananas Foster, she ha- handled everything. She hooked it up with um, wigs for kids. She got all the, the media done. She did yeah. all the graphics. She did everything. She did such a phenomenal job. And, and our own, our owner, uh, Emily Cole, she was just behind me the whole way. She was so ecstatic about it. So everything they did was phenomenal. It made it go perfect. <laughs> Raised a ton of money. Um, got to go right to the foster kids. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great event. I got to pitch. Um, so it was during a game, so I'd be pitching. I'd come out, they'd cut some more. I'd go back out and pitch, <laughs> they'd come it. out and cut some more. So um, it was such a fantastic day. It was, it was probably my favorite day in my entire baseball career, you know, bar none, just because the vibes were amazing. The fans were so behind me. It was a, it was a ton of fun. Uh, we ended up winning the game, and I pitched the whole game. So it was one of those – it was just everything about it went so perfectly, I couldn't have drawn it up any better. That is awesome. And so if you're just tuning in right now, we're talking with Brett Helton, uh, graduate of Shine Mountain High School, went on to play at Utah – Mm-hmm. Right? How many years did you play there? Yep. So I was there for three years. Um, had an awesome scholarship. Went as a shortstop. Um, played. Uh, ended up becoming a pitcher. So my third year there. Uh, when did you go into pitching? That was. I went there to pitch as well, but like my focus was shortstops. And then when yeah. I got there, I was hitting and playing, and um, you know, pitching just kind of took over. I started having yep. a little bit more success with that. So. Um, come my junior year, I was the Friday night guy. I had a ton of you know hype around me, so I got drafted after my junior year. So I, I said goodbye to Utah after those three years and went right into pro ball. So ever since 2015. And, and, and let's break that down a little bit because a lot of people don't understand that process um, of not coming back to finish college, why that is done because you lose the leverage, mm-hmm. right, if you come back for your senior year. So your best year to go to pro ball is junior year. Am I correct in that statement? Yeah, definitely. They kind of use it as like a little bit of bargaining power saying, you know, I could go back to college. You're going to have to pay me a little bit more money. You got to draft me a little bit higher, those type of things. So guys that have some early success in college, you know, they kind of have their mindset on leaving a little bit early like that. Some people who are focused on school and trying to graduate and getting their degree, they're probably going to wait and play their senior year and then go play pro ball afterwards. So it just kind of depends on where you're at, what you're thinking about. If it comes down to, you know, money or you're super serious about pro ball, most guys are going to leave early. So it just depends on if they want to take you and if they want to take you early and they want to draft you and pay you a little bit of money, then um, most guys are probably going to leave. So, you know, I had a, I was committed to a number. I was committed to a round. And then it turned out that the Pirates drafted me in the ninth round. So I decided to forego my senior year and, and jumped right into pro ball. So now um, here And how quick is that process from when you played your last game at Utah to – playing a professional game oh it's wild man so our our last game was the end of may i think it was like may 28th that year 
and uh, I had all these pre-draft workouts. Um, so it was like it's like a two-week process. So you get done, you know, you're hanging out with your buddies, and all of a sudden I was in Arizona trying out for the Rockies. You know, I went to L.A. to do the Cardinals, um, went to Kansas City and did all these pre-draft workouts with me and a select group of uh, like small guys. And then depending on what teams like you the most, you're either talking on the phone every day or they're seeing you in person or, you know, you're getting your physicals done so you can pass everything to know that your body's right, your mind's right. And then, you know, that day I got drafted, I got drafted on June 9th and uh, they called me, congratulated me and they're like, hey, can you be in Pittsburgh in two days? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, absolutely. I was like, I was like, have you, you know, ever been to I, Pittsburgh? No, that was my first time. So me, me popping in like that was, was pretty wild showing up, seeing the stadium and meeting everybody. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. Everything just moved so fast. So I didn't have any of my stuff. It was all back in Salt Lake city at, at Utah, my college. I, I had nothing. So I just, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll be there, you know, I'll, two days. So I popped in, signed my contract and they sent me right to pro ball. So then that very next day after being in Pittsburgh, I was with the pro ball team and we were having practice, getting ready for our first first game. And I think my first professional game was probably like the 13th or 14th, I would say. So when I showed up to, of, uh, of, of June. June. So like it was drafted a couple days later, end up in Pittsburgh, signed, drive down to my first team. It was in Morgantown, West Virginia, about an hour and a half south of Pittsburgh. And then uh, jumped right in the season. So then you know, I went from probably, it was probably like a three or four week difference from yeah. me being in college, playing college games to getting drafted, playing pro ball. So you just kind of jump right in and everybody around me was all, you know, we were all 21 years old, had no idea what was so going on. So you guys on. are all in the same stage of life, really, huh? There's nobody yeah. in that, you know, pro team that was 23, 24, 25. It's all people who are just came out of college yeah it just kind of depends on on how that went <laughs> so pretty much my entire team that year was all the new draft guys so yeah. all the college guys go so um some of the younger high school prospects when you get drafted younger you'll go to like a younger team so some of the guys that were in my draft who were high school kids went to a team below me so okay. i got to got it i got to skip a level just having those three years of of college under my under my belt so the young guys kind of go to a different team and the and the college guys all kind of stuck together we we snagged a few guys from extended spring training who who hadn't made a full season squad. So there was a couple guys who were returners, second or third year pro ball guys that had um, opened that season with my team because they had been with the Pirates, you know, before and you know they hadn't made that low A team, so they came to us and advanced rookie ball. So it just kind of depends on how old you are, what kind of experience you got. You know, it's just kind of them saying, I think this dude's ready for this team. Let's send him there. So pretty much all the college guys that were you know big time power five yeah. or whatever were all on the same team to start. So then you get your first start, or were you out of the bullpen? I mean, what what was your role? Yeah, I was a starter, so I really fit the mold of a starter. You know, six four, big frame, big guy. You know, threw kind of hard. So everything that they drafted me for was to be a starter. So I kind of jumped right in the rotation. We had our five guys, and then I, you know, we finished that whole season. It was about three months, um, June, July, August, and then into the beginning of September. And then we just had our rotation. We got our first taste of a, a five man rotation, playing baseball every day. You know, no days off, and because you know, college kinda, is a three-man rotation? Yep, pretty okay. much. You got three, and then you'll have like a fourth on Tuesday. So pretty much yeah. everyone has a midweek game on Tuesday, but every every series is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yeah. instead of going you know, three, maybe four days a week, you're playing every single day, and you're getting into that rotation. You got your relievers that will probably have to pitch every single day, something that they're getting used to for the first time as well. So um, you just get thrown right into it. Everyone you know, has your back. They know exactly how important it is and how different it is. So you know, the strength coaches are there. All the pitching coaches are there. Everyone's just trying to get you used to the pro ball lifestyle as fast as you can. So getting used to the bus rides and the and the hotels and just living on the road and, you know, being home for a little bit and having a little homestand. So 
um, it's fantastic. But that definitely they do everything they can to make you feel comfortable with with all the new changes and everything yeah. that's kind of swirling around your so head. So you're you get done with your season. What happens then in September? Pretty much everyone splits off. You know, you get those months off. You know, everyone knows that it's time to, um, you know, heal, to rest, to, to recuperate. You know, some guys want to get bigger, stronger. So everyone has their own little off season away from the team. You just get to focus on yourself and get to go back home if you want. Sometimes. And is that required because of the union? Uh, yeah. Is it, is it strict as football? Like football, they can't even use the facilities. Yeah, so it's not like that. Um, it's not as big, and and they would send us down. And so our spring training facility in Florida, you know, it was always open for anybody. Okay. Some guys lived there the whole offseason if they wanted to. So they were super cool. If you know whatever you want to do, if you wanted to go home and relax for three months, they would do that. If you wanted to come back early, they were super down for whatever. They just knew that guys had to get away from the game, yeah, um, rest up a little bit, and then get their mind right for the next year. Mm-hmm. And and uh, playing every day is pretty wild. You know, everyone, most people do nine to five Monday through Friday. So you get two off days a week and, you know, it's something you can schedule your life around around working and being done at five. Yeah. But us, you know, you're at the park all day long, every day, and then there's really no days off. So it's kind of like our chance to, you know, travel, have some fun, you yeah. know, hang out with your girls, see your family, whatever it is that you want to do that you don't get to do during the <laughs> summertime and during ball, you know, go to weddings, do any, a lot of things you miss because baseball definitely takes that precedence over everything, no matter what. You really, you're not missing any games. You're not doing anything. Um, you're fully committed all the time. So having those few months off is really awesome because that's our, that's our time to just kind of do anything we want and have our own personal life and personal yeah. time because baseball really takes up most so, of everything we so do. So what happens then? You come back in – um, your uh, what is it? January then or February? Yeah, February fourteenth was always our report date. Uh, that's when pitcher ca- pitchers and catchers show up. So, so you show up your second season mm-hmm. technically with the Pirates, and where do you go for that? Yep, you, everyone goes down. You either split the Grapefruit League or the Cactus League in in uh, Arizona or Florida, and then all the teams are down there. So you just kind of get ready. You've I've been at that moment in time when I show up. I'm pretty much at the tail end of a six week throwing program to make sure I'm super in shape. Everything's you know I got a lot of life in my arm and everything's uh, brand new and good. So um, I'll do a lot of training on my own, a little bit of pro ball stuff mixed in, but. Um, pretty much on your own until you show up and, and you're responsible for showing up in shape and ready to go. So the first day of spring training, you know, everyone, everyone's, you know, foaming at the mouth to get there. They're so excited. And so, uh, some guys show up in shape, some guys don't. So the guys that don't yeah. show up in shape, you know, generally probably don't make a team or, you know, might get cut. So it's very important to kind of get your own work in. And then when you show up to the team, everything's supposed to just, you know, you're supposed to get after it together. And, you know, everyone's so excited. Energy's so high because everyone's so stoked to be back and yeah. ready for the season. So it's a pretty amazing time to just pop in, show up and, and get ready to rock. So, um, super unique, but there's a lot of, not a lot of pressure, I would say, but there's a lot of a lot of focus by saying, "Hey, guess what? You know, I know that dudes are going to show up really good, really in shape, and yeah. really hungry. So, you know, I got to be just as good as them. I got to, you know, show up and be as good as I can be the very first day. You know, make an impression and, and try and make a squad." Yeah. All right, folks. We're going to hear from ABC News, then we're going to get back into it. We're going to focus on Savannah Bananas. You may have seen them on ESPN. You may have seen them on Netflix. It's a huge change up to the baseball world. It's fun. It's exciting. I have been to a game, and we're going to talk all about it when we come back from these messages. All right. We are back into it. We just had Neil come in, uh, one of the executives here at KRDO, and he was just talking about how he saw the Savannah Bananas on a Japanese (laughs) news network. Don't know how you get a Japanese news network on your Comcast <laughs> TV or whatever it is, but we'll ask uh, Neil about that later, how he's getting the Japanese <laughs> channels. Anyway, um, Brett, let's finish this up a little bit about you know how your pro career transitioned into the Savannah Bananas because we left off with you going to your first spring training. 
Yep, everything for me kind of went pretty normal and typical as, as like a pro ball, um, you know, career. You do that, you, you finish the season, you go home, you come back for spring training. So I did that about four or five years in a row. Um, did a whole season of low A, um, next year a whole season of high A, next year a whole season of double A. So I went back that next year, did spring training, um, didn't make it out, got cut, went and, and then so I left the Pirates, I was done with them. I bounced around some other teams, but I didn't really do anything substantial until I um, joined an indie ball team, you know, not affiliated with the MLB, played some pro ball for a couple years there. I ended up getting traded over to a Milwaukee team, um, loved every bit of that. It definitely served as like a, an opportunity for me to get back into, um, you know, big time affiliated ball. But um, towards the end of that, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up in, in Milwaukee and the Bananas called me, offered me, you know, this thing, told me about the trajectory of kind of like what they were going to do, where they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought it was an awesome opportunity, something that was brand and, new. And has they, had, they, had they already had a season at a point? They hadn't had a full season. They had they had tested it out. They had gone to seven cities at that time, yeah. um, sold out every single one of them. They had this model that they thought was going to work. So they had set up this whole thing for um, you know 2023, which just happened. And so they wanted to bring me on in August of of 2022, and then kind of see if I was maybe a fit for the team, hoping like kind of put together you know a, a better group of players to like take that tour on. And I was like, you know what? As of right now, I was like, I've I've done it all. I kind of want to do something new, something fun. So. You know, I left Milwaukee, drove right down to Savannah, um, joined them to finish the last six games of what they had as like their their they called it the summer series, and every game we had was on ESPN. It was such a huge deal, and you know, I left uh, some small time pro ball that you know at the time didn't really feel very significant, and I jumped onto this. Everything was so televised, the hype was absolutely insane. Everything we did was just. Um, you know, sold out and stellar on steroids. So it was really cool to jump into that and have this whole new outlook of pro ball and fun and excitement. Yeah. And then so when I when I left there, I was like, no doubt about it. I'm doing this this 2023 tour. I'm not missing it for the world. And uh, you know, we started there and we just it it just the ball has been rolling. The the hype is is out of control. And we went the whole season this year, 33 cities. Um, put on some phenomenal shows, some phenomenal games for the fans, and uh, as of right now, I'm in for the long haul. I don't, I don't care what it is. It's my, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. It's the coolest baseball. Until or you can collect your social security <laughs> check, you are going to be playing for the yeah. bananas. Until they rip me off the mound, man, I'm, I'm yeah. in because it's you're going to be like so that fun. one guy who's on your team. Yep, we got a 76 year old Bill <laughs> Lee. Um, you know, Red Sox Hall of Famer. The dude still comes in and he pitches for us all the time. Red he's, Sox Hall of Famer. Yep, yeah, he's he's fantastic. So. Um, And we're going to talk about some of the different players, folks, as we get into the next segment. We're talking about different players, the format, um, games upcoming, stuff like that. But I do want to ask you a question um, about your um, when you when you ended your career with the Pirates. How does that process, Brett, when when you get cut? You know, I know it's probably not something you want to. It's not glamorous, but how? Take us through that. How do they bring you in? How do they share that news with you? What's that process look like? Yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of freaking out the whole time. As soon as you're thinking rosters are going to um, be set at the end of spring training and everyone's looking around, everyone's counting numbers, who's going to what team, who's played good, who hasn't, who showed up not in shape, and all that stuff. So literally the entire spring training, you're just sitting there wondering who's going to make the teams, what's going to go on. So, um, you know, it wasn't a shock to me. You know, you're kind of sitting around, and once you're counting the jerseys, you're sitting there, you're like, there's, there's an odd man out. You know, I don't know who's, who it's going to be, so... Um, you know, a lot of dudes um, who are really good, who have a ton of career left, they just get cut. You know, it has nothing to do with them. Or a lot of times, you know, guys can play really well and have a great career. But when it comes down to it, you know, when it comes down to contracts and money and who's who and who got traded for who, you know, sometimes it just doesn't really matter how good you played or what your career looked like. You know, there's just not enough uniforms. So sometimes, um, you know, I think that was kind of my case where, you know, I would have loved to keep playing. It would have been great. if it was, At the time, I would have just, you know, I would have played for the Pirates forever. But 
they, uh, you know, I'm looking around and no, I know who throws a hundred miles an hour and I didn't at the time. So yeah. you're kind of looking around and, and that morning at 6am, you just get a text says, Hey, you know, come down, you know, this meeting room. And as soon as you get that text, you know, you know. you're in trouble. So that and, is uh, the last day of spring training. Yep. Yep. So when the, the last day of cuts, the very next day, everyone jumps on their planes and, and goes to st- goes to the field and, and they play their season there. That's where they start. So you can always get moved up, but but yeah, the very last day of spring training, they make their final cuts, and whoever made the teams, they ship off the very next day, jump on the planes, and go play. So, it's so what that. did that, what, that? How was that meeting? They brought you in and just said, "Hey, Brett, thanks for your time yeah, it was and cool. efforts." I mean, um, what did that look like? You know, I, I've talked to a ton of dudes about kind of how theirs went. You know, I think mine was a little bit different than that. You know, I was I was super close with a lot of the coaches. Um, mm-hmm. you, you have so many coaches and so many coordinators and people that are, um, you know, higher up. So. Some guys just go in, you talk to one guy, and you get cut, and you go home. Um, so I walked in there, and I had a room full of the GM, the assistant GM, you know, our farm director, our, our bench coach. Wow, I mean, good for you. I mean, I walked in, had all those dudes, and a lot of them were kind of ripped up. You know, a couple of them kind of kind of teared up because we had such a good relationship for for five years. Yeah. So they were all super sad about it. You know, it wasn't really their choice, but uh, you know, so a lot of the dudes kind of beat the table for me to stick around, and then they just got outvoted. So it was kind of funny. Um, you know, I went in there and some guys have a, you know, two minute meeting. They say, Hey, good luck. Thanks for yeah, everything. Yeah. You know, here's your release papers. And I, I had to be in there for 45 minutes and just talking about, about me and baseball and, you know, what to do and what could do and why. And, and, uh, you know, I was just one of those dudes where like, it just, uh, they ran out of jerseys. Yeah. And so they just give you a plane ticket back home. I mean, is it literally that cut and dry? Like, Hey, pack up your stuff. Here's a plane ticket. Yep. They say, you know, they, are you driving home? You flying home? And then they'll, you know, they pay for it cause they, they got you there. So um, you know, they're super cordial, but that's a, that's a really tough part it's of business. the, yeah, it's tough and, and they don't want to do it, but they have to do it. When you got, when you got 300 guys and you know, only 40 of them made, make the big league roster, there's a lot of cuts that happen every year. So, um, it rips them up, you know, but it's kind of, it's kind of funny just sitting there and you're like, well, this chapter's done now what I'm going to do. So then you just yeah. kind of scrape and you figure it out. And, um, as of right now, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm in a spot yeah. where like I, I think it's the most fantastic thing to happen to sports in maybe ever. And, you know, I'm involved. I was in it in the ground level. And, you know, I, if it if it really came down to the big league lifestyle and, and everything that comes along with that and then the lifestyle I live now and, and just the showing up to the field every day, just absolutely ready to have the best day ever. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade that for any amount of amount of money or big league time or anything. I, I think I'm in the perfect spot. Yeah. All right, folks, we're going to go to commercial break. And we're going to come back, talk about life in the Savannah Bananas. You're listening to Caradio News Radio. All right, we're back into it, folks. So, um, Brett, we're going to pick up right where you left off. You said you you started out on kind of, or they had one season before. It's like a pilot season. Mm-hmm. You get involved. It's the first real season. Bring us through that. Yes, I mean, everything was brand new. They had so many ideas of what they wanted to look like and everything we just did together. it was We, we grew together. We learned together, all that stuff. So, um, some of it was pretty wild, you know, thinking about things we would never experience before, all these crazy ideas we had going all the time. And uh, honestly, it just got more fantastic every single day. We got more comfortable with the show, more comfortable with being crazy. And, uh, you know, honestly, just like every new city was just a new opportunity to like think of something crazy and wild and put it to the test. And, um, you know, the best part about everything we do is our focus is only about the fans. So start to finish, everything is, is this good for the fans? Are they going to like it? Are they going to respond? Are they going to relate? We don't think about anything we do with the bananas that doesn't revolve around the fans. So when we sit there, it's like, is this going to be funny? It was like, it doesn't matter if it's funny. It matters if they like it. And, um, you know, the shows, the shows just got better and better and better. And now we're at a point where, you know, we can roll out any city, anytime. And I think we've got a pretty good feel of what might be hilarious, what might be awesome, what they're going to remember forever. And 
And uh, we call them those those lasting memories where like you can we have that opportunity to give that to them every day, whatever yeah. it is, you know, meeting them, you know, having getting them involved with the game, doing something they've never seen before, getting, uh, you know, them getting to watch something live that then they can see back, you know, on social media and be like, yeah. holy cow, that's what that's what I just saw. And uh, those lasting memories is all that we do. And, um, and the- you guys got some great players. I was down at the game. You had Johnny Damon. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there was a bunch of other ones you could probably name. Uh, and and the fans are getting to meet these, you know, for for someone like Damon, a World Series champion, mm-hmm. right? And you got young kids getting to interact with them after the game, and I'm going, that's awesome, you know, for a yeah. young kid, that's about the coolest thing because you go to MLB ballpark these days, you don't get anywhere close to the players. Yeah, and that was a, that was a culture thing that I was so happy to to get from the bananas is like all they want to do is make everyone happy. So there's, you do every autograph you can, you can take pictures, you can jump in the stands during the game. There's nothing that's off limits because we're literally there for them. So, you know, in pro ball, it's all about, you know, the players and contracts and money and playing so well and careers. And like for us, it's just about having a good time and and giving them something that they can remember forever. And, and something, and that, however that looks, they don't care. You're allowed to do anything that is structured around them. So, you know, when, when the guys like Damon and, and these, these really big names come by, you know, they get to experience kind of what we go through and they're like, holy cow, this is actually so insane. I never got to do this. They get an opportunity in baseball that they never even thought that they were allowed to do. You know, don't look in the stands. Don't be, you know, don't talk to them. This is game time. You got to be serious. And for us, it's like, it's like, yeah, talking to a fan is not going to affect you at bat. Go sign that autograph, go hang out, smile for a picture, and then go out there and hit. And then doing all that together is is so fantastic. And they just get addicted, man. They they kept coming back. All these dudes that like <laughs> played so many years, you know, 20 years in the big leagues yeah. and they get they get all this experience that they never thought was possible in the game that they love. And now they're like, "Yep, coming next week. I'll see you in Tampa. I'll see you here. You know, I'm coming back in 2 months." And like, you know, like I'm bringing my kids next time, you know, that type yeah. of stuff. So, um And how many you guys have sold out like every game at home this last year? Or? Yeah, we've sold we've sold I out every game. There's a long waiting list. Yep, so that, that's one of those things where we get so casual on, on throwing out these numbers that just really just don't seem real sometimes when you think about them. But as of right now, our entire tour next year is already all sold out. The pre-sale list we have, every city is already done and, and over and full. And and these and the, some of them are MLB stadiums, so they're holding what? I mean, yeah, 50,000. 50,000 people yep. already sold out yes, six I mean, months ahead of time. Yeah, we're, we're looking at Fenway right now. I think it holds about 38,000 and and we had like 75,000 people on the wait list already. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, we only have that one game there. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, we got enough for a couple of games. Why don't we just, you know, do a yeah. whole series? So, you know, it's kind of wild where, again, we're just kind of growing together where if you look at something and we're going to play in front of 50,000 people that weekend, you got 100,000 already on the wait list. It's like, what do we do? Should we just throw another one out there? Well, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, as, as big as we're getting and, and, as, and, and as as far as our reach is, you know, there's just not enough. There's not enough towns. There's not enough cities. There's not enough places to like to do it all. And that's such a fantastic thing to to deal with. And so we're we're playing in front of a million people next year, um, live in person. And the last time I heard, you know, we had we had almost double that amount of people already on the presale list. So I mean, thinking about our entire our season already being sold out before we're even, before we're months away from even starting is, is something pretty insane to think about. <laughs> like. <laughs> People just love it. I mean, it's a it's a tested model where like the only how thing many we innings want, do you play? We play as many as we can. So we okay. we get nine innings in in two hours, pretty much two every hour game. Time limit. Yep, two okay. hour time limit. And I think last year of the sixty nine games that the party animals played the bananas, I think we got all in it, all, all nine innings done. I want to say pretty much all but four times. There's only about four games I remember getting through the eighth inning, knowing that that was the last one. You know, we got to win right now. Yeah. 
Um, and the only, the only reason we didn't get those in is because we raked, you know, as a day we're like, we, we would score five runs in an inning. We'd score five runs in the next yeah. inning. So, I mean, if you're having these 10 minute long innings, trying to get them in, in, in two hours, you know, you just kind of run out, but yeah. we, we have pretty like much three minutes left, Brett, tell us real quick the rules and how it's different than uh, major league baseball. Yeah. So we've got a couple different rules. There's no walks. If you walk somebody, it's a, it's a full on sprint. So then instead of being boring and slow, it's exciting. So they try and get the second base and it's crazy and it's wild. If a fan catches a foul ball, it counts as an out. So okay. every fan in the stadium is actually a player they get to be in on it so when a foul ball goes up they lose their minds <laughs> and like everyone's trying to catch it um they just want to be involved because they know when they catch it they're going to get on the field so it, it's it, it's just including them um you can't step out of the batter's box that helps you know speed Time. up the game and and it's way more exciting no one's taking out taking a breath it's just like the action just hits 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 so i mean and then besides that it's not a different rule but just how fast and our pace of play is insane when the inning's over you're off the field and then the next inning starts. any you know, warm-up pitches uh, you'll get a few, but you know, in the big leagues, you get eight, and you're you, you're breathing, you're getting your mind right, yeah. you're getting your body right. We're out there, you know, you're just getting loose again. You're just trying to get right into the next inning and and go as fast as you can. There's a ton of bragging rights for us as pitchers to have the fastest inning possible. You know, do the pitchers hit? Uh, sometimes, yeah, depending on how good you are. We got a we got an Otani figure on the bananas, and I like to I like to consider myself an Otani figure on the party <laughs> animals as well. So um, we got it. dudes but, that but sneak in But can they DH for you if they like? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much all the baseball rules are the same, but we just have a couple new ones, uh, like that, like that sprint and like the the catch foul ball. You know, just to make it so much more fun and exciting. And like we were popping in new rules here and there. You know, if it if it's something that's good for our game, we're going to keep it. If it's something that you know we tried and really doesn't make sense, then we're going to get rid of it. So it's cool that we're we have our own game, our own setup, and everything is all us. We can mix and match however we want and. And all we care about is is making it just a wild experience. Yeah. All right. So a minute left here. Tell people where they can go to get some clips of the Savannah Bananas, everything you're explaining, all the energy at those games. How can they experience it looking it up on their cell phones right now? So we're huge on TikTok. That's what we have so much focus on. That's what kind of got us famous. You can go to TikTok and you hit the Savannah Bananas or the Party Animals. You can hit mine, personal, Brett Helton. Just kind of see the antics we do. It takes us on the road. It just all the behind the scenes yeah. of the dancing, the baseball. Um, we're huge on YouTube. That's where we stream all of our games for okay. free. Everything's going to be live. You can just jump on there anytime. You can watch all of our games last year on tour, all of our really good clips. And we've got a we've got a documentary out right now. Every Wednesday, they drop a new episode of, of our tour this year. So you'll, you'll see me on there a ton and see the bananas on there a ton. So YouTube's huge for us. Okay. TikTok's huge. Instagram has been awesome. All of it just kind of continues to blow up more and more and more. So we're all we're in we're in the social media game everywhere you can imagine. Just look us up, give us a look, see what's uh see what's fun, see what's exciting, and you'll get a little sneak peek of like what's to come soon. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome, folks. So uh, look it up. Just go well, on YouTube. You just put in Savannah Bananas, right? Yep. Bring yeah, they've got it. their own page, and I'm telling you, all of our games, all of our craziest antics, and, and especially every Wednesday night, you can just kind of follow our tour and how amazing it was. And, and, I, and I'm looking at it right now. We're just getting in the game, so come this next Wednesday, you know, it's the craziness when we're showing our travel, showing our, our the stuff that goes viral, and then we get to track that the whole way. So I'm stoked every Wednesday night. I get to get to watch that new episode drop on YouTube and, and just see kind of <laughs> what, what they got to capture of, yeah. of all the fun we had. That's awesome. That's awesome. Brett, thanks for coming in today. It means a lot. Oh, thank you so much. I loved it. All right, folks, that's another show of the extra in the books. If you know of a hometown hero, reach out. And yeah, we love to have them on the show. That's what it's all about. Got a great game tomorrow. Air Force, Army, a lot of service members up there. Should be a fantastic time. And you have Tom Martino joining you next. Stick around, Cario News Radio.